every few years, uh, I feel that one of the things I need to do is, is there's certain topics every year that we'll talk about. Uh, things like relationships, we'll do a series on every year, uh, d- discipleship around uh, goals and dreams and believing God for things, around the, the habits of Christians and following Christ. We'll, we'll, there are certain ones that each year we'll go through. But every few years, uh, as a pastor, I feel a responsibility to talk about finances and financial discipleship. It's a big topic. Uh, it's a topic if we don't get money right, it has the potential to destroy families break up marriages, workaholics get created, people give up on their values trying to chase after money. Christians get discouraged when they hear about God wanting to bless them, but then don't experience them or they're tithing or they're giving or, or, or maybe just don't even realize that God wants to provide for us. And so it's important for me that we jump into the topic of finance and financial uh, discipleship. If we're going to be fully immersed, fully surrendered, followers of Jesus, that's what disciples are, then we've got to know how we're surrendering and what are the commands of Jesus that we need to follow. And Jesus had a lot to say around this. And today we're going to jump into one of the wheels. I'll just give the, the, the idea in a moment. of It's called wise stewardship. Going to be a lot of wisdom out of the Bible today. The Bible's full of it. And some of you will relate to needing to be wise when things are tight. I know in college I was so broke I couldn't afford the electricity bill. They were the darkest days of my life. Hey, 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 come on. What about this? My bank recently called me up and told me I had an outstanding balance. I said, phenomenal. That's what my gymnastics teacher used to say. Oh, come on. All right, here we go. So here's the big idea that I'm wanting to talk about, Melbourne. Stay with me, those of you online. Here's the big idea. Uh, if your finances was to be represented by a car, then a car will only go uh, to, the, to the extent that all four tires are pumped up. If you've got two tires that are not pumped up, you'll find yourself pulling to a certain direction. If you've got, you might have one tire that's absolutely incredible, polished, shiny, super pumped, but if it's the only tire that's pumped up, then your car's not going to get anywhere. And so the metaphor or the, the example, and I've been preaching this and practicing this uh, concept myself for, for over 15 years. I found some old photos of me preaching this series 15 years ago. And the four tires that I want to talk about in terms of our finances are this, a right mindset, wise stewardship, a spirit of faith, and generosity. That's the four tires. I've met some Christians who believe that when things aren't going well, the answer is just to give more and to give for breakthrough. And if I just keep giving and giving and giving, I'll get a breakthrough. Well, that's just one tire. And if you've got a supercharged giving tire, awesome. But if you're a really bad steward with your money, well, that's going to be the problem. And so today we're going to talk practically. Hello, this could be slightly awkward. I expect there might be a few elbows in the room here today towards one partner or the other, but we're going to be talking about wise stewardship. Why is it, come on, that savers and spenders often get married together? Who's married? Or or here's the third category. Savers, spenders, and givers. Some people love, would be just, I'll give it all away. I don't care if I've got anything. Some people want to spend it all on themselves. I don't, I don't, I'm not too worried. And others are like, just save it, save it, save it. So give me a wave today if you're a saver. Come on, give me a wave. All right. 
What about, if you're, what about if you're a spender, you love to spend? What about a giver? I don't care if I've got any, I'll just give it all away. Okay, there we go. Good, good spread across the room. Well, we're talking wise stewardship. Psalms 24 verse 1 says this, The earth is the Lord's, the whole world and all who live in it. I want you to get a really, really important concept today before we go anywhere into, into this uh, topic, and that's it, that everything on planet Earth belongs to God. The Earth is the Lord's. The shirt you're wearing is God's. Come on. The jeans you've got on is God. That designer jacket, Melbourneites, that you've got on right now, it's God's. Come on. It's God's. Your house, it's God's. The, the Earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Therefore, once we understand this, that it all belongs to God, everything you own and everything you earn it either belongs to or is coming from God, He's your source, it's all His, then you and I, we're just stewards of it. Not airline stewards, stewards, as in managers, where it's on loan to us and we're responsible to look after the money that God is giving to us as a trust. And Jesus talks a lot about trust and management and, and, and talents and money being left to different stewards and whether they're faithful in looking after it and whether they're multiplying it. And he shares this thought that if you're faithful with little, you'll be given faithful with much. And so the principle of stewardship is that you and I as managers uh, or stewards of God's resources need to manage His resources that He entrusts to us really well. All right, so just say it after me. It's not all mine. It's all His. Turn to your neighbor and say, come on, what you own, it's all God's. Come on, Dave, it's all God's. You know it is. Stephen, Zoe, it's all God's today. All right, so today I want to unpack, then if we're wise stewards, how do we steward the resources that God has given to us? I'm going to go through seven principles of wise stewardship. Uh, Solomon, the richest man in the world, in Proverbs 4 verse 7, in his day, wrote this, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and in all you're getting, get understanding. And here's where you get wisdom. You get wisdom from the Word of God. You get wisdom from wise mentors. You get wisdom um, from, from people who God places around your life, who've got great fruit in their life, and they can help you and mentor you in being a wise steward. Some of us, our parents taught us really well about wise stewardship. Others of us, they didn't. And we need to go to work on this wheel to learn to get really good at it. So I'm going to today go through seven things. Look, this could really be a four-week series in itself but that would be too uncomfortable for all of us. So I'm just going to go through uh, quite, quite quickly seven principles of wise stewardship, and I'm going to particularly touch on three. Are you ready to go? <laughs> the first one is tithing. Tithing is the sign that I understand that everything I have and all that it comes from is from God, and I'm returning the first tenth to Him as a statement that I'm a manager of His money and it's not mine. Tithing. We'll come back to that. Number two, budgeting. Who's a budgeting lover? Come on, there are people in the room. This is good. Come on, our accountant didn't even put his hand up. Dave, what are you doing to me right now? Ouch, ouch, budgeting. Okay, I'm going to also circle back to that because that's really important. Number three is diligence. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 4 says, Lazy people are soon poor. 
Hard workers get rich. This is in the Bible. Two Thessalonians, Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica and says this, we hear some of you are living idle lives. You're refusing to work. You're meddling in other people's businesses. We command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus to settle down and to work to earn their own living. Now, one of the challenges of being a supernatural church and understanding that God is a supernatural provider is sometimes people can sit around in our pajamas checking the mailbox at midday, going, come on, God, send me some money. I've heard that, that testimony about supernatural provision. But what we have to understand when it comes to supernatural provision, and God is indeed a supernatural provider, but when, when it comes to money, here's how it works. that God looks to us to work on the natural, and then He adds His super to it. That's what makes it supernatural. So he says, if you work and if you develop skills and if you work hard, then I'll supernaturally bless your efforts. It's the natural and the super. So hard work is a really important principle or, or diligence of wise stewardship. Now, I just want to put a caveat on that right now <clears throat> because I don't want you to become workaholics chasing money. And so the Bible talks about the importance of one day a week not working setting a day aside for God, whether it's to be with church, to be with your family. And research over and over, study after study, has reinforced what's called the 50-hour rule. The 50-hour rule is this, that your productivity plummets after you work 50 hours or more in a week. Studies have shown, this is just one study, that there's zero difference in how much you achieve at work for those who have logged 70 hours and those who have logged 55 hours, the, the harder you work beyond that five or six days, the more ineffective you are. You lose your edge. So, that, so I've always, I think working between 40 to 50 hours a week in terms of work and, and maybe study and, and home chores and stuff like that, that's finding that rhythm and balance is really important. So hard work, but not being a workaholic. All right, I hope, I hope that's helping somebody today. Uh, number four. Excellence is a principle of wise stewardship. Proverbs 22 verse 29 says this, Observe people who are good at their work. Skilled workers are always in demand and admired. I love that. They don't take a backseat to anyone. Be excellent. This is what, if, if a young person or someone's like, I want to find a job so that I can work hard and I can get rewarded, then I would say this, find something that you've got a natural ability in, that you're good at, something that you enjoy doing, so it's kind of, you find it rewarding, something that there's a demand for that people want to do, uh, need you and will pay for it, and become excellent at it. Become the best at that trade. Become the best at that work. In your business, be known for excellence and you will find that God will reward excellence. Are we helping anybody today? That's number four. Number five is integrity. Integrity together, those of us online, let's, let's understand this is a holistic picture of wise stewardship. Proverbs 11 verse 1 says, God hates cheating in the marketplace. He loves it when business is above board. So integrity is an issue, whether, whether it's our tax returns. I know this is, might get slightly painful. Whether it's our tax returns, declaring all the income that comes in, not the cashies on the side. Not price gouging because there's an opportunity, but being fair. Uh, not stealing from your boss. And some of you are like, I'd never steal from my boss. Well, what would that look like? Well, maybe turning up late to work, but not staying back late. That would, 
surfing the internet while you're being paid? Oh, I know, that's just ouch. Okay, okay. These are integrity issues that are important. If we want the blessing of God to be upon us, we need to be people who operate with integrity. This is, there should be a difference between a Christian at, at your workplace and not. We should be the ones who are the hardest workers, the most honest, the most reliable, who don't bag out the, uh, our leaders or other staff around. We're, we're, we stand out because why? We're disciples, fully immersed, fully surrendered followers of Jesus. Let me get an amen here today. All right. Wise, number six is wise use of credit. I'm going to spin back to that right at the end. And number seven is investments, an investment mindset. Proverbs talks a lot about the ants and how the ants would gather uh, in, in one season and store up for another season. So when, when that season comes, they've, they're prepared for it. And if you've been brought up with perhaps a religious or Christian mindset that you should just give everything away, that's not a biblical mindset. Being generous is important. Not letting money own you is important. But building up equity, not wealth for the sake of wealth, but equity that will look after you in your retirement. Equity that will look after you if there's a rainy day. It's, it's, it's wise. So an investment mindset is I buy assets that either are going to increase in value or produce income. Okay, that asset might be a house that can be rented out. That asset might be a business that produces income. That asset uh, might be a particular item that over time is going to increase in value. It might be shares in another business that's producing income. So building assets and equity is a wise thing that stewards do. Jesus talked to, he told a parable about someone who had been given money and who buried the money and didn't invest the money. And he said, you should have at least got bank interest on it. That's Jesus. So he said, if you're given money, be wise and use it to return money to you. Now, again, here's the caveat. Think long-term. Understand the principles of risk and reward. Not going to get into that. Get wisdom. Let me just read Proverbs 13, verse 11. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. So just because your mate at the pub says, I've got a sure way to make a million bucks if you invest a thousand, probably not a great idea. Okay, so think long term, get some, some mentors around in your investment mindset, get educated, get trained. Okay, there we go. That's, that's the seven. Are we doing okay? Who's identifying a couple of those that maybe you could work on today? Come on, come on. Who's, who's identifying a couple that your spouse could work on today? Oh, no, just kidding. Just kidding. All right. So let's just jump into three of them I particularly want to dig in today. <laughs> the first one is tithing. Tithing is one of the most powerful things that you can do as a steward of the resources that God's given you. Uh, Mal Malachi 3 verse 8 to 10, should people cheat God? This is God talking to His, his, his church, His Israelites. Yet you've cheated me. You ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? And God goes on and says, you've cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. Now you're under a curse. The whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you haven't got room enough to take it. Try it. Put me 
to the test. The principle of the tithe, tithe literally means 10th. It's, it's exchangeable. So you can't say, well, I'm tithing 6% because it literally means 10th. Uh, now, when you're starting to get an idea around tithing, you might be building up to it because you've never heard about it. So I get that. Some people are, I'm just starting to try and build up to it. I understand that. But the number 10 in the Bible means test. Tithing is the test of you and me that we're good stewards of what God's given us. We're being tested every time income comes into our lives of whether we're acknowledging God, this is yours. And notice this, I don't, I don't call tithing generosity. Tithing's not being generous. It's all God's. And he says, all I want is you to, see, he says, return the first tenth to me. He doesn't say, give me the first tenth. He says, return it to me. Therefore, when I bring the tithe and I return it to God, that's me passing the, the test of stewardship. And then here's the, here's the other awesome side of it. When God says, I, you can put me to the test. So if you bring your tithe to me, then I'm going to pour out a blessing on you. So oh, I'm happy to be tested on this. There's not much stuff that God says, test me on. Danielle and I had an experience uh, once where it seemed like every appliance in the house was breaking down. I don't know if you've ever had that moment. Everything. It's like, what the flip is going on? Money's, it feels like money's just running through our pockets. And so we began to pray about it. What's, what's going on here? Is this spiritual warfare? And so we, we did a check of the four wheels. Uh, are we, have we got a right mindset that it's all God's, but He wants to look after us and bless us and to be generous? That's good. Are we, uh, okay, are we being filled with faith and we're praying? Yeah, we are. We're, we're, we're believing God. Are we being generous? Absolutely. We've got lots of seed in the ground. We've been sowing seed. <laughs> and as we prayed about it, this verse came to both of us separately and it said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And we just looked at each other. What do you mean the whole tithe? And what we realized that we'd auto set our tithe for the income of last year, but God had blessed us. Our income had increased, but we hadn't increased our tithe. So you would not believe how fast I got to, do, got to work and did the sums. And okay, this is how much we owe. Get it straight into the church. It's like, God, I, I want to be under your blessing because I'm returning to you what belongs to you. That's, that's the tithe. It's powerful. Time and time again, I've watched people understand the power of the principle of the tithe. People go, I can't afford to tithe. I go, you cannot afford not to tithe. Tithing is a faith statement where I say, God, you can do more with my 90% than I can do with 100%. It's a statement that it's all yours and I trust you. It's ca captured in the Old Testament under Abraham. It's encapsulated in the law. It's reinforced by Jesus. And Jesus said, just don't get religious about it. He said, you should tithe, but don't be religious about it. Remember the heart is about mercy and justice. So this flows through the whole Bible, the principle of the tithe. What should we tithe on, I hear you ask? Yeah, okay, great, thank you. That's awesome. We should tithe on the increase in our lives. So the increase is our wages. The increase is government payments we receive. The increase is profit we make. If I buy a car for this and sell a car for that, then the gap between what I buy and spend on the car and then sell it for is the increase in my life. Same with a house, the whole thing. That's the power of the tithe and it unlocks the blessing of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, I want to be under the blessing. Come on, mask free. I can hear you. It's so good. All right. Number two that I want to circle back to is budgeting. Oh, yeah. 
Okay, here we go. I, uh, honest truth, I have a love-hate relationship with budgeting because I know whenever we go into the, the, the budgeting zone, tension comes. That's just in me. That's also in my wife. It's just the tension of our values, spending, giving, saving. It, that, that tension comes. So hot tip for those of you who are married and are about to do a budget or talk about it. Pray together first. Pray over your finances. That's the first thing. Don't try and cast anything out of your spouse at that moment. Just pray and believe God. All right. Stay with me. So here's the thing. Uh, Proverbs 27. Proverbs is filled with wise stewardship principles. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. Agricultural community, the Bible's written to. So they're, they're farmers. So know how, how, how your sheep are going. Know how your cows are going. You're not going to leave the 99 and go after the one if you didn't know you had 100 and you counted them all. So this goes the same with your money. We need to be onto our budgets. Oh, I can feel it getting quiet in here. It's awesome. So here's the two important principles of budgeting. Number one, set a budget. And number two, stick to your budget. I know. Sounds so simple. Set a budget, which has got more income than outgoings and stick to a budget. All right, so here's, here's the basics. Let me just give you the, the, the three-minute summary of budgeting. Uh, number one, plan 12 months in advance. Plan 12 months in advance financially, okay? And as you look forward at the 12 months, you put your tithe in, go, okay, so now you put your income in. This is the income that we're expecting. You put your tithe in as your first uh, return to God. And then you put your fixed expenses in, those things that you can't adjust. So for example, if you've got a car, you're going to have insurance and registration. They are expected bills that will come and you might be able to spread them over a year or pay them at a set time, but they're fixed expenses. I've known some Christians who when the rego bill comes are like, oh my gosh, the devil's attacking my finances. <laughs> He's not attacking your finances. You just got to be a good planner. Okay, uh, just, you know, I'm not having a go at anyone. I just know this is how it works. So fixed, fixed plan is this, uh, your housing, whether it's rent or a mortgage, uh, education for your kids, food, groceries, insurances, a motor vehicle, all the regular things, weekly things, monthly things, annual things. Take some time and put it together. Now, again, I'm just going to explain the basics, but we run a money management course in our church at least once a year. I highly recommend Dave Ramsey's resources on, on budgeting and finances, which we use in our church. But that's it. So you do your, your fixed. Then you move to your, your discretionary expenditure. I know, who, who knew you'd be talking about finances in church like this? But let's help. I want to help you. You move to your discretionary. Discretionary is uh, things like holidays. How much are you going to spend? Things like eating out, things like entertainment, uh, things like the, the, the things you're going to purchase that will, will, will kind of lose their value. And so here, this is where the fun begins because we've got our fixed expenses, but now we've got different priorities. I want to throw out what I think is a great concept that I learned from Paul Deong many, many years ago, and he calls it the 70-10-10-10 principle. The 70-10-10-10 principle goes like this. Try and work out all your expenses that you live off 70% of your income. Try to. Then 10% is the tithe. Then split your saving and giving equally 10-10. Now, you might not be able to start at this. It might be a stretch just to do 90 and 10. That's okay. Start there. 
But then as time goes on and you can go, all right, well now I want, we need to save some money and that might be paying the, paying the principal off your home, for example, but we need to save some money get some money put aside. So make sure you've got, it might be, okay, we've, we've got um, 10% tithe, 5% giving between all the different options to give, and then 5% saving. And then you can grow it. 10% giving, 10% saving, then you can grow it. 20% giving, 20% saving. This is something that we've practiced ourselves for a number of years, and it takes away the tension of giving away the equity that we need to build up, or saving but not being a generous person. It's a great principle. Just nod if you're with me right now. Okay, here we go. We're doing so good. Elbow your neighbor and say, I'm getting convicted right now. So a few years ago, Danielle and I, uh, we got into a squeeze scenario where, where, where basically uh, our outgoings were more than our income. And the reason was that we had a property that we needed to sell and there was just, there was, it was supposed to be getting a return. It wasn't. And so we just sat again in the seat of, pressure and we did what we needed to do which is have a conversation about it and lean into the pain come on somebody today you might need to go home and lean into the pain of an awkward conversation uh, when it comes to budgeting I've found that sometimes one of if you again I'm talking to married people one is better at, at managing the figures than the other but that's that doesn't mean that both of you don't feel the tension and pressure and understand what's going on. I'm talking particularly to husbands right now. If your wives are good at the books, don't put all the heat on them to carry the burden of your finances. They might be good at the books, but you need to get your head around what's going on so you're not making them make all the decisions. Lead, men. Come on, lead in a good conversational way together. Give me a wave if I'm helping anybody today. All right, so you, you face the facts, you lean into the pain, you realize, flip, we're going backwards $200 every week. We don't want to get into debt. We don't want to use credit unwisely. That will only create more pain. I'm coming to that in a moment. So we, we did, we sat down, we're like, oh, okay, there goes coffee out. We just went through our things and the discretionaries. There goes coffee out, putting that holiday off till next year or when we can afford it. No longer going to the movies, scale back. It looks like date night's going to be home with KFC or something like that. I don't know what it is. And we've got some KFC lovers, whatever. But it's just, <laughs> wow, okay. It's just, it's, it's the conversation that's painful and it's, oh, but when you do that, you're being a wise steward. Lean into the pain. Because here's the thing. If you can make the cuts at budget time and, and have the pain, you'll feel the benefit later on. And the power of budgeting is not just setting the budget, it's sticking to the budget, which may mean certain money has to be put in an unaccessible place, like annual bills, so that when the bill comes, you've got the money set aside that you couldn't touch. Come on, you needed a two-person authenticator to get that money or whatever it might be. All right, let's go. Last one, last one, the last few minutes. Are we helping anybody today? Who can feel an awkward conversation coming up soon with their spouse? Oh, I feel it, I feel it. All right, wise use of credit. Wise use of credit. I heard a friend of mine said I had my credit card stolen the other day, but I didn't bother to report it because he was spending less than my wife. Ouch. Let's move over this side of the room right now. <laughs> Wise use of credit. It's a trap. 
Bible says very clearly that the borrower is the servant of the lender. That means when you owe something, Paul says, owe no one anything. He said, pays your taxes. This is Romans. Pay your taxes. No, owe no one anything except for love. So we live in a society that's trying to trap you and me to spend more than we earn so that we put it on credit cards or afterpay or something so that then we, their, their whole strategy is that we don't pay it so that they can then start slamming us with high interest. It's a strategy. You're like, oh, wow, another letter in the mail with, a, with an increase of my credit card limit. This is awesome. I must be really important. No, it's a trap. Someone saying, oh, buy now, pay later. You deserve that holiday. One week of joy could equal two years of pain. That's not worth it. When you might have done a house swap with someone and had a cheap holiday. Or you just create it. It's like, can you afford it? So credit goes like this. Here's the credit trap. Don't go into, don't borrow money for anything that's not going to accumulate in value. That's, that's just a really good theme for you to go. Don't borrow. So if you're like, should I borrow money for those clothes? Well, unless they're made of gold and are going to be a collector's item, I'd say no. Should I borrow money for that brand new phone? Probably not. Not unless you've got the cash in your pocket and you're going to hand it over. Should I borrow money for that shiny new car? Well, <laughs> now I'm messing with some people's stuff. <laughs> well, okay, I'm talking personally. I'm not talking business where there's tax deductions. Just as general rule, personally. You're like, is it going to increase in value? If it's not, it's going to go down and you're going to keep paying and interest is going to be high. Do I, have, do I have to have the brand name? Do I have to have the new best possible leather lounge just because my friend's got one? Not if I can't afford it. It's the, tra it's the trap of materialism. And there's a beautiful freedom of living within your means and not getting caught in the credit card or the credit trap. In fact, I think one of the most powerful things, and I've got some on my seat. Can we throw them up here? There's some scissors there. Yeah, don't throw them. Probably is a good idea. Thanks, Sam. <laughs> probably the most powerful older call we could have in finances was for me to leave these scissors up here at the end of church and some people bring up a credit card and say, I, I just keep buying impulse. I just keep, I can't stop it. I don't know why. I just, it makes me feel good or I feel like I need it and I'm not living within a budget and, and maybe I just need to cut up the credit card and go home and get a debit card so I can only spend what's in, the, in, my, in the, that particular account and just get on top of my finances. The picture I get around money is so many people uh, get dragged along behind the car out of control, hoping, you know, throwing a Hail Mary that God's going to save me. And I know God can save us. And I know God does intervene in difficult circumstances. I know that. But He wants us have wise stewardship as a part of it. It's one of the wheels. You can't ignore it. You've got to look after it. So I'm going to leave the scissors up here. And Melbourne will get some scissors for you guys at the front. And only don't come and cut your, your spouse's credit card up, okay? <laughs> it might be something we do together today. All right, how are we going, everybody? Is that helping us? 
seven principles of wise stewardship, tithing, budgeting, diligence, excellence, integrity, wise use of credit and investment mindset. Let's close our eyes together. Melbourne, close your eyes. Let me pray. Father, in this room today, I thank you. For those online, those in Melbourne, I thank you that you are a God who wants to bless us. You want to provide for us. You want the best for us in our financial lives. And part of that is us being wise stewards. So I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you'd help us. If this is the wheel that we need to go to work on, give us the courage to ask for help. Give us the courage to do the steps that we need to take today, to get out of trouble, to turn things around. Today's a turn it round day for so many people. I'm asking you to help us in this area. Set us free. Lord, you say the borrower is the servant or the slave of the lender. Lord, we want to be free. We want to be free, not trapped with the curse of credit, but free, blessed. Lord, I declare blessing over every member of C3 Powerhouse. I declare the favor of God over us today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Awesome, Melbourne, I'm going to hand you back to Ebony right now. God bless you. We love you guys.